I'm Kagan. And I'm Keegan. And you're listening to the Skeleton Key Podcast. And we are with my friend, Rex, this week. Rex, how you doing, brother? I'm doing amazing. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate having you, man. Rex is a friend of mine from Mother Bears. I've known him for many years now. He's a rapper. You should look him up on Spotify. His name is Rex Avent. Is it Avent? Oh, it's Rex Avent. But is it Avent? spells all the same. Hell yeah. Now Rex is uh, he's a good friend of mine. Like I said, he's going to be our editor on here. So I can't appreciate him enough. He's a great guy. Check his music out. Hey, appreciate you, my man. Appreciate bet, man, you. Bet. Okay, so before we start this, Keegs, how was your day? It was good. Got some fire-ass wings. Yeah, we did, didn't we? It was some fire-ass fucking wings. It really was. Amazing. Rex, amazing. how's your day, man? Uh, it was cool, bro. Work today, but can't call it a bad day. I was making money. Hell yeah, man. That's how it goes. That's how it goes. Yes, sir. Okay, so before we start on like this case this week, what do you guys think of blood, Keegs? Nah, I don't mind it. Can't mind it? I, I, nah, no. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. I, is it, is, it, is, it a, is it a bad thing for you, Rex? Yeah, I'm not it's... squeamish, so to say, but uh, no, I'm good. Okay, um, I, I get that. I get that. I get that. I get that. We're a little different. I was a med student at first, so he oh really was goodness. actually. He were, yeah, he was like deep in it. like six like six weeks Sheesh. ago, like literally. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I get I get to Rex's trepidatiousness towards <laughs> blood. No, so this week we are talking the Vampire of Sacramento. Now, Richard Chase, also known as the Vampire of Sacramento, was a messy and physically gross schizophrenic serial killer, cannibal, and necrophile who killed six people over the course of a month in Sacramento, California from late 1977 to early 1978. Chase's methods were brutal, random, and to most involved in the case, the most graphic they have ever seen. However, I do want to say this is not a case like most others. As I said before, this is a case involving a killer who had severe paranoid schizophrenia from the very start. However, not every killer has schizophrenia. So, what happened with Richard, you may ask? Throughout this episode, we are going to show you how lack of parental care and a disbelief in the need for med- medication, as well as a very early sign of violent behavior, can help in the creation of someone like Richard Chase. Okay, so before we like just start any of this, Rex, I gave you the the script. Yeah, I got uh, to learn a bit about Mr. Chase. What do you what just you know without you know spreading it like or spilling any beans? What do you think of Richard Chase? I think he's a classic case of too many unchecked red flags. Yes, he is. That's very true. He had so many signs from there, like the very get go, that everyone saw. Even the some doctors, some very incompetent doctors, I may add, from the nineteen seventies. Um, but and even parent wise, parental wise, we'll get into it like later in the story. He had a lot of chances from his parents to, you know, maybe get him like just help him themselves. But they Anything. didn't. Yeah, absolutely. Keegs, what do you think so far? Like, you, like, learned a little bit about him. Like, what do you think? Dude's just fucked all around. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he really is. He really is. But no, so, essentially, this is a story of, you know, of severe mental illness. And if nature and nurture make a serial killer, and what exactly makes someone like Richard Chase? So, as we get into this... As I said before, I gave Rex a copy of the notes beforehand, so he has a full like understanding of all of them, and even some comments he can make. And Keegs is kind of sitting in the dark, buddy, so no offense. I hope you enjoy this. Sure, I will. <sighs> yes, sir. Now, Richard Trenton Chase was born on May 23, 1950 in Sacramento, California, to Richard Chase Sr. and Beatrice Chase. Now, there definitely is a fine line when it comes to becoming a serial killer, and the Richards walked that to a certain degree. Unlike some killers like Henry Lee Lucas or Otis Toole, who were sexually abused by their parents and family members, which is something that happens to a lot of killers during their adolescence, Chase's parents were not to that degree whatsoever. His parents were, however, very disciplined and what I would call somewhat rough people. One word I saw in like several documentaries was like 
people kept saying it was the the ways of the time, like where parents would just like yeah. beat like the shit out of their children. Mm-hmm. I mean, I never got like, I mean, mine had hit me like several times right, actually, right, like right. just like, but not like sixties hitting. Like I, Rex, I don't know about you, like you oh, no. definitely they, didn't get those old never, school beat downs. Never, yeah, no, I didn't. Keegs, you. I'm too young for that. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's fair. No, no, that's a very fair actually. Um, so his parents were, however, very disciplined and were somewhat like what you call rough people. When Richard was only two years old, his dad force fed him until he threw up, and throughout his childhood would physically shake Richard and throw him into walls of the house. He would also go off on him for the smallest infraction and scream at him until he cried. See, that alone is enough to it, traumatize someone to a degree. No, of very much so. Very much so. Insanity. I've seen many people that just get that just get yelled at by the parents, and they lose it over time. It happens. Uh, Chase's parents that their marriage was obviously shaky um, due to his father's numerous affairs and alcoholism, which <laughs> I've seen before. Chase's world was about to start crumbling down, but his parents, too preoccupied with their family marriage cannot see it themselves. Literally, they're just focused on each other, like how mad they are. And their kid is crumpling down around them, and they don't even notice it. I've seen it before. Uh, So, okay, warning real quick. Annual mutilation. For those that are squeamish, this is where it starts getting gross. (laughs) At the age of 10, Richard began to mutilate animals. Uh, He began with cats, as it always does, sadly. But soon he began to go after birds, rabbits, and dogs. He killed so many stray animals that the entire neighborhood was starting to notice them disappearing. His mom eventually found one buried in her flower patch, but said nothing about about it to anybody. And there's the first instance it, of her enabling uh, I, yeah, the vampire of Sacramento. You'll see this. His, his mother really is kind of a supervillain. Yeah. Like, literally. Um, she definitely helped make this. Yeah, she should have been. She, yeah, I, I definitely agree. Um, so Chase, who had been a habitual bedwetter all of his life, continued to, to do so into his early teens. He was also a bit of a, a pyromaniac and loved to start small fires and play with matches. Mm. Now, with these three, Richard definitely exhibited all three categories of the McDonald Triad. Keegs, Rex, you know what that is? The McDonald Triad. I know you do, actually, because yeah. you read this. Yeah, there was a very detailed explanation. I don't. So, the McDonald Triad, for those who don't know, are a set of three behaviors that occur in childhood that are said to help predetermine violent behavior in the future. Bedwetting and animal cruelty past the age of five, and finally arson. Those, those three. Richard showed all three of them, and I would say that it was definitely accurate for him, if you do agree. Like that, Absolutely. Yeah, it nailed it for him. So many telltale so, signs of this man. Again, it's a lot of stuff when it comes to like the, you know, schizophrenic behavior and right. the telltale signs of. The, it's just kind of weird to me. It's, it's weird. It, it's weird. So Chase's parents soon divorced, but got back with each other four months later. I, I, again, this was a toxic family. Yeah, <laughs> this what? was a very toxic <laughs> family. It's a very toxic family, and again, like you said, Rex earlier, this probably didn't help anything. Oh, absolutely. So as Richard began his high school, exactly, as he began his high school years, he was seen as somewhat a normal student with an IQ of 95, making him just above below average intelligence. He also kept a clean appearance and was seen as popular enough to get a few dates as well. However, and this does come up again in a lot of serial killer cases, whenever one of the girls wanted to have sex, Richard couldn't get hard. Stage fright. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> now this may happen to men from time to time and <laughs> really yeah <laughs> Rex have you ever, have you ever had stage fright before uh uh-uh. uh I think I have like once I can see it happen I, I think I have like once I think it involved like a bunch of liquor yeah that's, that's really dick. where the, yeah that's yeah, really where the downfall begins um now, this may happen to men from time to time, and some get help for it, but this is when Richard's inner delusions begin to kick in. He started to think that the reason he couldn't get hard was because he didn't have enough blood in his dick. <laughs> um, what? 
doctors would eventually say this was repressed, like repressed rage against women. I would assume against his mother from childhood, and as well as like other girls like throughout like as he grew up. But eventually, you know, just you know the schizophrenia and the tendencies. Mm-hmm. I'd say those things kind of crossed up, and like he just like like I said, like Andre Andre Ticatello. And um, Pee Wee Gaskins, they were both serial killers who mm. couldn't get hard unless they killed someone. So he thought he didn't have That's have enough blood. In, yeah, he thought he didn't have to have enough blood in his system to get hard. So I bet they just so mentally shocked at that point that nothing is like as exhilarating <laughs> as mean, that. Like you at, know what I at mean? this yeah. point, like what really is like at what point like would your parents get help for you? I mean, uh, probably when I was. Oh uh, no! As soon as I found that little cat under my flower patch, it's over with. Like, what, like <laughs> he's you, out of here. Like, like, like <laughs> he's that on one. a bus. Really? Yeah. Really? Oh, absolutely. You're you a kitten in the flower patch? Oh no! Not in my house. We're pets. Not on, okay, keys. Not on these oh, okay, that's fair. <laughs> well, your mom or your grandmother? Like who? Would, like who would have thrown your ass out first? Oh, absolutely, my mom. Okay, fair. Oh, fair. she wouldn't have kicked me out. She'd have locked me up. She'd have had me put somewhere. She wouldn't have let me loose on the street. Oh, she would just lock your ass up. <laughs> she would have had me put somewhere. Okay, so now see, I would like that. I wish that's what Richard oh, <laughs> Chase's yeah. parents would have done. Gigs, you. About the same. My mom. I hate to say it, but I've said this again in podcasts that we've he and I have recorded before. My mother sadly would probably still keep me. <laughs> She's so loving, so loving. So is Richard Chase's mother, but look how this turned out. 100%. Oh, God. Um, so, Doc. Um, so, whereas before he was just killing animals to play with their bodies and guts, he was now killing cats and dogs and chucking their blood to try mm-hmm. to replenish the blood in his dick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he still. A couple of Viagra's. He was still seen as kind of cool, though, and invited to parties by his classmates. During one party, he got absolutely fucking hammered and ran up and down the street, screaming and yelling incoherently. And at these parties, Chase would smoke weed for the first time, as well as begin to take LSD, which he would continue to make his budding mental problems that much worse. Okay, I've never done LSD before. Um, Rex, it's a ride. It's a ride. Is oh, it? Yeah. Okay, so I don't know how many times you've taken it. I don't know like what your experience with it is, but imagine having like a like a budding paranoid schizophrenia problem, and you start taking LSD as it's as it is coming up. Oh yeah, reality would be shattered. I've never taken it before, so I don't Absolutely know what it's like, but I can only imagine what it was like yeah. for this guy. Exactly. So. Yeah, and another case of his his actions having no ramifications whatsoever. None at all. Thus, in adding another block for him to ascend and become the vampire of Sacramento. I love it. It's true. So, due to these mental problems, Richard became a hypochondriac and complained to doctors that his stomach was upside down, his preliminary artery was missing. His blood was hardening and turning into powder, and that his heart would stop beating from time to time, which made him kill more and more strays to try and get more and more blood in his system. But due to the aggressive drug use, his school life began to fail. His C's turned to D's, and those turned soon turned to F's. His parents were very lost on what to do with him, but somehow, after he graduated from high school, they bought him a brand new Volkswagen, which he would trade in for his future car he would commit the majority of his crimes in a 1966 ford ranchero and i'm only saying it like that because i love ford rancheros and i'm gonna be bringing that car up several more times in this i'm gonna be saying the exact same way so get used to it you don't know what a ford ranchero is no do you know what do you know what a chevy el camino is yes oh okay it's a it's a flatbed version of that okay yeah so Richard, always the paranoid one, slapped his mother, his mother to the ground during an argument because he believed that his mother was trying to poison him. So he moved out of his house after high school and in with a group of friends. And yeah, things fell apart from the get go. Rex, what's the worst college roommate you ever had? Huh. 
the worst college room. I'm very I've curious. Ever I'm very curious. There was a point where I lived with like five guys, and our house was just so so expansive and just. Five dudes in their twenties should never share the same house. I just, I just stand on that as a golden rule in life now. I agree. But yeah, one of my, one of my roommates actually, um, well, he was going through a bad time. So I came home after a show one time to about ninety dollars in alcohol being consumed out of my portion of the freezer. Out of your personal stash? Yeah, it was bad. It was so bad. Oh, no, I'd be... Oh, I was furious, man. Oh. It was like a limited edition, like, Crown Royal run they were doing. So the bottle was, like, all specially designed and shit. I was furious, bro. And that's the only reason it was still there. Like, I wasn't going to drink. I was going to sit on it for a minute. I'd be so angry. Oh, dude, I was so upset. I'd be so angry. Okay, I didn't, like, go to, like, a, like, school school, so Mm -hmm. I really can't say much. But he he missed out on his freshman year, so he he had a he had a room to himself. Yeah, That's that was nice. Ass. Oh no, <laughs> not where'd the place. Where you stay at again? Nah, I was in McNutt. Oh McNutt, where I live in right, right, right. Yeah. Okay, I would have changed not having a room to myself. If I could. Word. Okay, so but um, I want to say boring. I feel like I do guarantee you that neither one of your situations was as bad as Richard Chase's roommates. Yeah. <laughs> Not even yeah, comparable. no. Chase was reportedly absolutely disgusting and would walk around the house naked constantly, even in front of the people his roommates would fucking have over. His substance abuse was worse than ever. He was said to be high on LSD constantly as well as drunk all the time. His roommates eventually attempted to ask him to leave, but Richard Flatt refused, so they all moved out instead. <laughs> oh How the hell did he pay for it? <laughs> You're gonna see in a second. He can't. <laughs> he can't pay for it. But imagine that. You just like say no so much that your own roommates just leave. That's <laughs> bad. They just leave. Yeah. You. Yeah. Literally. Um. <laughs> seriously. Um. Now, with an apartment to himself, Chase began purchasing rabbits from local farms as well as pets from pet stores. Like puppies and kittens. He would take them back to his apartment and kill them, put them in his blender, and mix them with Coca-Cola and drink the bloody and vile concoction. Ew, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah, he would, he would, he would, like, kill, like, rabbits and cats and puppies, and he'd put them, and he would put them in a blender. Just whole? Whole, No, like, like, just, like, just, just piece, like, he would rip them apart, like, their blood and their organs, and he mixed, he'd pour Coca-Cola on there. And he would just mix it up and drink it because he thought that was like a catch-all, like you know, cure for his many ailments he had, his blood loss, the blood, the the um, his blood turning into powder, the blood in his cock not not filling up enough. I've seen Coke do a lot of things. I've I've seen. (laughs) I yeah, I don't even know what to do with this. Um, He bought so many animals. And like rabbits that the local shops and farms would eventually ban him from purchasing any animals from them. Because yeah. they were going like, why are you coming here so often? You're coming here once a week, you're buying three rabbits. Yeah, bro, this is the fourth hair I've sold you this week. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I can complete this transaction. I'm sorry. <laughs> the fourth hair. Yeah, the hair. I don't even have this one. How the fuck did he have money to buy all these animals? Uh, yeah, how much do his, his, his parents his parents okay so rabbits are like like I don't know like like 30, like, like 30 bucks now but like back in the day probably not that much money and also on the table and, and I, like a box and full of rabbits he's, he's paying he's paying them in blood he's paying them in blood <laughs> he's paying them in like he's paying them in bags of blood it's like dying bags but with blood <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so <laughs> He, he couldn't afford to um, keep the par- the apartment to himself, though, and shortly after, he was forced to, to move back in with his parents, where things would only get worse for poor Richard. So, here's where we get to the mental institutions. Chase's first time in an institution was in 1973, at the age of 23. 
but it's a relatively short stay, and not much is known about it. However, a few years later, in 1976, when he was 25 years old, his father walked into his room and found Chase on the ground, writhing in pain. After rushing him to the hospital, it was found that Richard had injected rabbit blood into his veins to try and fill himself up, giving him blood poisoning. Oh, rabbits die hard. Uh, yeah. It, so, he started out with just trying to drink the blood. And now he's injecting it into his veins. Down bad. Down <laughs> I mean, yeah, guys, we can go it's like we can go like that. Some ways he get his dick hard for so bad. Because he couldn't get it hard in high school. Oh, trust me, he get, get trust me. Rex read this already. He sadly gets his dick hard later. Oh, I in the story. That he does. So after his release from the hospital, he was sent to a mental institution. Was finally. Yeah, to him finally, <laughs> finally, <laughs> finally. Yeah, after all this stuff, he was finally he was sent to one. It took, it took, it took a few tries. It took a few tries. Um, while he was there, Richard was was referred to as Dracula by the nurses and patients, as he somehow was always smeared with blood. Yep, that's what you want to do. You want to give Richard, him drugs and call him Dracula. Richard, <laughs> that's what you do to to mental patients. You give, you give them the yeah, you just walk by guy. You just walk by guy. You just walk by guy covered in blood in the hallway all the time. Richard would always say that he cut himself shaving. However, a further inspection of his cell led to a very unfortunate sight. Underneath his bed were tons of dead birds. Richard had caught them, ripped their heads off, and greedily drank their blood. While he was at the institute, he was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. No shit. And prescribed many different types of medications. May 18th of that year, Richard sprints out the door of the building after the, do- the doctors told him he was not well enough to leave. The employees had, tri- had had a hard time catching him, I imagine, because, again, he seems to always be covered in blood. <laughs> I imagine it was like... I imagine it was like the like the like the um like and they're like trying to catch him in the front hospital yard. He's just covered in blood. Wally Coyote. Yeah. Yeah, that's about what I think it is. God. Um, but they like soon catch like they caught him like not long after, and then brought him back. Uh, the following day, he was sent back to the hospital for food poisoning after the staff at the hospital kept finding raw, half-eaten birds in his room. Is anyone else just weirdly impressed by how good of a hunter this guy is? Literally. So, he's like barehanded. He's out here so, catching birds and shit. Bro. Okay, like, no, I, gotta I, be like I, am, I am very impressed. I really am very <laughs> impressed. I, I can't. I am very impressed with this guy. The the first thing I thought of though was the fact that like it was one of those nineteen like sixties prisons and they just had bars yeah. on the windows like there was no glass so a bird could fly into that into like that like open window with bars nah, and he could yeah. just grab the a fucking thing predator. because again he literally he was a predator he yeah. wanted he wanted blood he was a predator can't even grab a bird. How did he grab something? I can't even get close enough to a bird to take a Snapchat of it. <laughs> okay, no, I can't. I can't either. However, the squirrel. I can't either. However, the squirrels here on campus. The you can. You can get within a foot of. Oh yeah, those things let you pick them up. It's. it's weird. <laughs> those fucking squirrels are domesticated outside. I don't get it. So weird. I don't get it. However, later on that year, he was actually cleared by doctors as cured. And he was released from the hospital grounds. His mother claimed that she saw nothing wrong with her son. And since the doctors had cleared him, he was completely fine. So she slowly weaned him off his medication. Now, I think this is like due to the social stigma of the time. She was probably just in complete denial that like there was anything wrong with her son. Because keep in mind, this was like the... This was the early 70s. So, mental health had a very bad and very, like, low level of thought. So, back then, 
if your son had paranoid schizophrenia, now we have medication and tons of very well good techniques of curing it. Right, right, right. But back then, you were seen as like send him to the fucking loony bin. Absolutely, well, there was a really bad stigma surrounding it that I can see. Did no kind of would deter someone from. from being <sighs> I see how it deters, but I don't agree with how she handled. Oh, absolutely, this not. and this will probably be. No, this was one of the last mistakes that she made on Richard Chase's account. Uh, yeah, I like to think it's the third red flag that went unchecked <laughs> before the vampire of Sacramento went on his fucking spree. <laughs> I, Rex, you don't know how you don't know how fucking right you are, man. I mean, actually, yeah, you do. You read the script. <laughs> yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Um. But Chase kept getting worse and worse without it. So it was so bad that his parents could no, could no longer stand living with him. So they did what any sensible family with a paranoid schizophrenic son would do. They rented him his own apartment and never came to visit or check up on him. Oh yeah, sounds standard. Yeah, sounds reasonable. Yep. After he's had, you know, like like I said, like you know, his mom found a dead cat. In their flower bed, and just kept after which strays were going missing, and her and her son, and and like her son, like which just probably had some kind of blood on his face at all times. But Richard also went on welfare, so he had all the time in the world to hang out in his apartment and really be himself. Which so key because that really answers your question. Like you know, hey, that's how I got the money. He went on welfare really early. And also, I want to say this real quick. Can you guys imagine how horrible that apartment was? Oh, dude, yeah. A battalion of dead rabbits just around, and you're fucking like, living off of the government cheese of 1977. Yeah, that shit was awful, bro. That shit's morbid. Yeah, can you just imagine this place? It's like a horror movie Literally, movie. trust me. I'll, I'll talk about it in the end. <laughs> I, I'm gonna, I'm going to explain when he gets caught. They go through his apartment. I'm gonna explain exactly how his apartment was. I need to know everything they found. I, I'm, <laughs> I need to know what was left. Trust me, it's it gets weird. So in 1977, and also this is where things get bad for Richard. In 1977, several residents on a Native American reservation near a place called Pyramid Lake in Nevada, 180 miles from Sacramento, I want to add that, had made calls to the Washoe County Sheriff's Department about a man covered in blood and skulking around the area. Officers came to, the, to investigate, and after noticing a car off in the distance, they went off to check it out. The officers slowly approached the open doors of the 1966 Ford Ranchero. Mm. There it is again. Here's your car. Yep, second time. Told you guys. It comes up two, two more times. Inside, they find a 22 caliber pistol, which will come into play later, a 30-30 rifle, and a bucket of blood containing what was later found to be a cow's liver. After a short search, Chase was found not far, squatting on a rock, naked and covered head to toe in blood. And after a small chase ensued, he was... Okay, we yeah, asked. Sorry, my bad. After a small chase ensued, he was tackled by an officer who caught him on a four-wheeler. Chase led them to a body of a dead cow. And after seeing that it did indeed come from a dead cow, they released him and sent him on his way. What about the whole naked chase scene? Yeah, okay, so... <laughs> so, okay, so here's the thing. I read up on this. The prosecutor, they kept him in jail for a night. Okay. They did. But the next day, after the prosecutor read the case the next day, they were like this. Oh, it came from a cow, and not a person, and he's not from here, so let's just send him back home. I just feel like nowhere you so basically to just openly the, process so basically, your animals. The, basically, it's a, it's a common case of like a state not wanting to deal with a problem, like just like uh, and just send him back, and whatever happens, happens. Like, you know, he it, it's a cow's liver, it's not a person, we, we don't got to deal with this. I don't know him. He's not from here. Just send him back to where he's from. It's still a piss poor excuse. He was naked. Yeah. It's a very bad excuse. He's naked. <laughs> he's naked sitting on a rock covered in blood. From what I read, he said he smeared the cow's liver 
on him. Like that's where the blood came from. He smeared it on himself, like it was a loofah in in a in a bat in a in a shower. God. Yeah, it's fucked, man. Yeah, that's absolutely wild. I can't believe they chased him naked, caught him on a four wheeler, and then just was like, you know from, what? From what that's I cool. found, <laughs> from what I found, the officer jumped. The officer jumped off the four wheeler as he was driving it and tackled him. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, literally. Can you imagine that? You tackle the officer. He's like this. He woke up that morning going like this. It's going to be a normal day. He ends up tackling a naked guy covered in blood off a four-wheeler. Jesus. So, it's at this point that we have Chase's first attempt at murder on a human. Now, I couldn't find the name of her, but on the night of December 27th, a woman was washing dishes in her kitchen when she heard the loud popping sound of a gun and the brush of air pass by her. At first, she didn't know what had happened, but soon discovered that a twenty-two caliber bullet hmm, had passed through the top of her hair and into the wall behind her. It literally, like she felt it go, like she felt it go through her hair. Like she thought it was just like a gust of wind. Hair raising. That's how close it came. Chase had been standing outside, and he ran away immediately after he saw that he had not hit her. So he sat outside and tried shooting at her from her fucking kitchen window in her front, in her, her like her side yard. That's divine intervention. Chase later admitted that he'd done this. That's how we know about it. But just two days later, Chase would get his first victim. However, his first murder would fail in comparison to, to what this maniac would do in just a month after his first kill. So, the first murder. On December 29th, 1977, Richard was doing a drive through a nearby neighborhood looking for a spot of opportunity. After a short drive, he noticed 51-year-old Ambrose Griffin standing in his driveway helping his wife carry in groceries. Chase fired two shots from his car. The first missed Ambrose, but the second hit him in the chest, sending him to the ground, killing him instantly. Richard sped off, leaving Ambrose on the ground for his wife to find him moments later. As she ran outside to investigate the shots and found Ambrose dead from the lethal chest wound. Now, due to the style of this murder, it wasn't connected to him until like weeks later when Chase would use his gun again to commit his second murder. So I want to say during this first one, I know it sounds like off his, you know, like Mark. Yeah, because he's a he's, he's a blood guy. Yeah. And that kind of stuff. He's never killed a person before. So he tried killing that one girl from a kitchen window and he failed. He wants to try to kill a person. So he's driving by, and he just gets the itch. He's like, he sees this guy just standing there, probably, you know, back turned, literally back turned, getting groceries from his car. And he's driving by, and he goes like this. He's like, you know what? He goes, I can do that. And he sees him move and walk. The guy's walking backwards the entire time. Yeah, he's walking. Yeah, he's like getting groceries out the back of a car, walking backwards. So he doesn't see Richard at all. So Richard, like, just fires his shots off. And he just fucking speeds off like a maniac. So he just wants to like see how he feels about killing people, first off. Mm. He just like, wants to feel it. You know what I mean? I felt it all right. Yeah, I like the rabbits. I prefer the rabbits. Man. So, looking for his next murder, Chase went about it in about the weirdest and strangest way possible. He would walk through neighborhoods, choosing different houses and seeing if their doors were unlocked. If the door was locked, Chase saw it as he wasn't invited into the home. However, in his warped mind, he saw an unlocked door as a, as a welcome invitation in from the owners, in a free reign inside the home. Richard, not just a murderer, was also a kleptomaniac, like a lot of serial killers. A lot of them love stealing. A lot of them, like, a lot of them, like, steal. Like mementos. No, just like, a lot of oh, them, just like, just like, just like, like, like shoplifting. Oh, okay. Like, a lot of them, like, shoplift. Like, Dahmer stole, like, shoplifted. Um, Ted Bunny shoplifted. Robert Hansen, like they all love shoplifting. They, I don't know why, but a lot of them do. Richard, not just okay. He would sometimes go to homes, and if they were unlocked but no one was home, he would go through their possessions and steal from them, like like the, what he did like on numerous occasions. One couple actually came home to Richard Chase in their house with a bag of their stolen things. 
and after a short sprint around the house, Richard was able to escape. The couple found, like shortly after Richard Chase had left and ransacked their house, that he had pissed in their drawer of their baby's clothes and taken a shit right in the middle of their bed. The fuck is up with this guy? You see... I, I, you see, I added that in like after I gave you the script. I, I noticed. Yeah, you didn't know that I one. Know yeah, one. yeah. He would love stealing. He would break into people's houses, and he did do that. That was documented. Yeah, at the hard from pissing shit in people's Dude, stuff. Just leaving DNA everywhere. <laughs> this was twenty twenty one. You, you, you're an active criminal for an hour. Like what the fuck? Literally, it's like he. Like I said, like a lot of them are like like are like habitual like thieves. They love stealing, but he none of them have done this before. <laughs> okay, so here's his second murder, guys, and this one is pretty squeamish. I'm not gonna lie. About a month later, after the first, on January twenty third, nineteen seventy eight, Chase decided that he wanted some more blood, and it was time to strike again. Chase was walking through a nearby neighborhood checking random houses when he noticed the front door of 22-year-old Terry Wallen, who was three months pregnant with a child at the time, unlocked. Chase took advantage of the situation, entered the home, found Terry in her bedroom, and shot her three times in the head. After she was lying on the ground dead, he took advantage of the situation and fucked her corpse. When he was done, he stabbed her body repeatedly in multiple places with a kitchen knife. Afterwards, he removed several of her organs, cut off one of her nipples, and drank the blood of her corpse. Finally, to finish everything, Richard went in the, into the front yard, grabbed a piece of dog feces, and shoved it into her fucking mouth. He then took a used yogurt cup to get one more cup of blood from her and making, after making a fast getaway and not being seen by anybody. Terry's husband came home shortly after to find his wife's mutilated corpse lying on their bed. He sprinted to their neighbor's house and called 911. The officers responded, would later say that nightmare would later say that they had nightmares for multiple months after witnessing what they'd seen on the crime scene. What what was with the nipple? Yeah, that's that's <sighs> he guys, he he just he wanted something to take away. It was no, he didn't he didn't I don't I don't I, I don't know exactly what, like what he did with the nipple. I don't. I he he wanted he did he definitely wanted trophies, which it might have been it might have been at his house afterwards because again you're gonna find like when they raid his house they find a lot of the horrible like bullshit which I wouldn't say you know it's not opposed to that nipple being in the in the apartment. Right. So he might have just kept random bullshit from right. these people. I don't know what happened to it exactly, but it could have ended up his apartment. I, but as, as like far as mutiling goes, he just he wants trophies, which you'll see. I explain that in like I explain that in details. Yeah, I'm sure you saw. I explain that in detail. Richard didn't just stick to, with murdering people during this time, though. Other blood-related occurrences happened in the same neighborhood. The body of a dead puppy was found in the home of a resident in the same area. The culprit had been Richard. He had walked in the unlocked home, but luckily the owners had left and forgotten the locked door, or to lock the door. Richard did, however, find their puppy. He had ripped it apart, greedily drank its blood, and left its body laying on the floor. The police began to notice a pattern, though, in these crimes. These were all blood-related in one way or another. So they're, they're starting to understand. Like, like, back in the day... It was hard, like, cops didn't, didn't, like, want to acknowledge a serial killer, especially, like, back then. Right, right. But, like, they're starting to, like, you know, like, there's one thing they, like, that they cannot ignore at this point. Like, it's all, like, bl there's just tons of blood everywhere. Whether it's a puppy, or a cat, or a person, there's blood. It's blood. Right. This guy... Is this all public information at this point, you think? Yes. Uh, No. No, no, no. They're downplaying. They're downplaying See, it pretty badly. That'd be even more terrifying. Imagine they're, living in that community, dude. And okay, not so even knowing they're downplaying it kind of right now. But after, but as soon as, um, 
this next part comes in, this next guy, that's mm. when like everyone starts getting on board. Start connected. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, tri- yeah. No, they they know immediately. How is he? Um, how is he digesting all his blood? I'm wondering what is his body doing. Okay, so doing? I didn't. Dude. So you functioning. So you can like you can live off of like blood. To yeah. an extent. I'm about to say, I feel like pork blood is definitely a thing. You can't. I, I've ho- seen, however, like, here's the thing. You can't. F- pork blood. blood sausage. Blood sausage. Yeah. That is a thing. That is a thing. That is a thing. Oh, Lord bless him. That's fucking gross. However, I think it's one of those things where he drank a ton of blood, but he also ate bits of raw, like animal or person, which you're going to see he does later on. To get his fill of protein. However bad that sounds. Is this what you did to get big? <laughs> no, I, I didn't drink blood. <laughs> Balanced breakfast, man. Yeah, yeah, Rabbit blood. Shakes, yeah, yeah, blood shakes, <laughs> blood eggs, blood sausage. He said it. So the uh, Sacramento police were at a loss on what to do. So they decided to call upon the father of FBI profiling and the inspiration for the show Mindhunter, Mr. Robert Ressler. I love Mindhunter. Known for coining the term serial killer, Mr. Ressler has been involved in the capture of many serial killers over the years, including Jeffrey Dahmer and Ted Bundy. But to Ressler, Chase was a different story altogether. You see, Richard is what Ressler called a disorganized killer. Unlike most killers, who are cold and calculating and prefer to stake out and stalk their victims, Richard was the exact opposite. He was on a planner. He jumped on the first opportunity he found, hence trying doors and not having a specific victim type. Because you can notice, he, he's just going after anybody. He was also what you'd call a product killer, since blood and organs were his end goal. Because if you'll notice, he tries to go for headshots at first. To kill you instantly. He just wants you, he, he's, he's trying to kill you instantly. Yeah. He's trying to kill you instantly. Because he wants your body and what's inside of you as trophies and your blood. Um, plainly speaking, Richard was basically a sloppy, opportunistic killer who got lucky with people's carelessness to not lock their doors. Think of it like this. You have these cunning, planning, and charming killers that Wrestler was used to dealing with versus a blood-soaked, screaming maniac like Richard Chase. In other words, Chase was a wild card Wrestler had not yet come across. However, Wrestler was certain of one thing, that at the rate of the killings, the killer would most likely strike again very soon. After making a profile for the monster, a county-wide search began. Sadly, Wrestler's worst fears would soon become realized, for in the span of one day, Chase would commit his most gruesome and vile spree yet. This, thankfully, however, was Richard's last murder, of a human that is. Because I'm sure you might have killed some dogs after this. But Keeks, you have something you wanted to say? No. I thought you did. My bad. I, I, I think I did, but I forgot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <clears throat> so, uh, Rex, like, what you got what so up? far? Anything? Man. About anything we just talked about? Like, you know, uh, disorganized killer, um, just these kind of types of like I, I remember categories. coming across this earlier. I honestly did not know Wrestler was on this case. It, he was. It blew my mind to know that he had a hand in this. He's been in like I think five like, like in my opinion, heavy hitter killer cases, that, including Chase. This is, is this so is his third. Yes, he was. Yeah, he was. This was the first time. Like I said, I I, I, I wrote. This was the first time like wrestler had come across a a killer like this. See that because he's he's be used to like a, like right? Dahmer who you know mm-hmm. who charms people like kind of a charmer. And Bundy, who was a ladies' man, which I don't think he was a ladies' man. I think he's kind of ugly. Or back in the day, he's not a stud. They thought he was back in the seventies. But anyways, my point is, he used to like those kind of guys. You know, can like trick people. Right. And, you right. know, they they plan. They and they and they and they, and they you know, they they make plans to you know capture you. This guy doing drive bys is doing. <laughs> <laughs> he's doing drive bys. <laughs> Like this is San Andreas. Or he's something. doing drive-bys. He's doing drive-bys. <laughs> like that is, yeah, that's that's a different ball. He's doing drive-bys, but he's also he's also going like like door to door, 
and seeing if your door is unlocked. And if it is, he's going in there. If it's not, he's not doing it. Like a real vampire. That's in, like, real vampire lore. Like, yeah. vampires are, like, you know, real vampire lore. Back in the day, it's true, they say, if a uh, door is locked, you cannot enter it. Which is, hence is why he got the name the Vampire of Sacramento, because he would only go into doors that he could not, like, that he could, that was unlocked. He's the reason I keep my door locked. We, it's sad, but I, the, honestly, people like Richard Chase are the reason I keep my door locked, too. Yep. Have to. I mean, Have to. honestly, imagine, Rex, imagine a, uh, skinny skeleton man covered in blood, like, standing in your apartment. It'd be the last apartment you stood in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. You gotta be nimble though. Outrunning police officers and doing the dash on people in their own living rooms. Like he's gotta he's gotta be agile. You really do have to. Okay, so trigger warning. Because this is the worst one yet. Last one? Yeah. So just four days later on January twenty seventh. He was want Richard was wandering through a nearby neighborhood when he entered the unlocked home of 38-year-old Evelyn um, Miroff. 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 As he walked into the living room, he was confronted by her friend, Danny Meredith. Chase pulled his 22 from his shoulder holster and shot Meredith multiple times, killing him. Evelyn came out of her room but was confronted by Chase, who shot her in the head and killed her as well. Her son, six-year-old David, came out from his room to see what was happening. And when he saw Chase in the hallway, Chase shot him too. Sadly, all the screaming happening and gunshots had woken up Evelyn's 22-month-old baby nephew, David Ferreira, who, was wa- who she was watching for the day. Following the sound through the house, Chase went to his room and shot him no differently than he had anybody else. Chase then began a similar gruesome ritual on Evelyn's body as he'd done before. He'd stabbed Mero's body repeatedly all over, before gutting her and, re- and removing multiple intestines, leaving them laying on the ground. He then satisfied his other urge and, com- and committed necrophilia again on her lifeless corpse. Chase then began a similar, similar gr- gruesome ritual on Evelyn's body as he'd done before. He stabbed Mero's body repeatedly all over before gutting her and, re- and removing multiple intestines and leaving them laying on the ground. He then satisfied another urge and committed necrophilia again on her lifeless corpse. After all this, he cut pieces off her body and ate them. He, he only stopped when a friend of Evelyn's knocked on her front door because Evelyn was late to go hang out with her friends. Scared of getting caught, Chase left the house stealing Evelyn's red station wagon as well as the body of her nephew, David. Okay, so so he killed he killed three people in the house. Uh, sorry, four. Counting the baby. Sorry, he sorry he killed four. He killed four. Rex, what do you think of all this? I think he's finally out of options. I think he went there to kill one person, and he didn't realize how deep in he was getting. I think wrestler's correct. I think he's just an or an organized sloppy. Okay, so after her friend entered the home, she immediately ran out screaming and ran back across the street to her to her home to call the police. And when they saw what a bloodbath, like what was a bloodbath to the least, blood was splattered all over the walls, numerous parts of the ceiling, and even the furniture. There was so much blood on the floors that Chase's body, like the Chase, was able to leave bloody footprints, like leading all around the house. Because again, he he stole. So, there was so much blood on the floor that he was able to walk around the fucking house and like, you could see his footprints in blood throughout the house. It didn't take long at the crime scene whatsoever, like, whatsoever for a wrestler to know that it was done by the same killer. So he was, like... Re- so he was ready to release the profile to the public. Now... This is the profile that he released to the public that he made for Chase. 
You guys know about Richard Chase so far. You know what his character's like. This is the profile that he released about what he thought the killer, like, like who, like some info on him. So keep this in mind. White male, age 25 to 27 years. Thin, undernourished appearance. Res residence will be extremely slovenly and unkempt, and evidence of the crime will be kept from the residence, or found at the residence. History of mental illness, and will be involved in the use of drugs. Will be a loner who does not associate with either males or females, and will probably spend a great deal of time in his own home where he lives alone. Unemployed, possibly receives some form of disability money. If residing with anyone, it will be his parents. However, this is unlikely. No prior military record, high school or college dropout. Probably suffering from one or more forms of paranoid psychosis. He's describing to a T. He, wrestler, nailed him to a fucking T. Literally. That's so Ke Okay, so just real keeks. What do you, what, like, honestly, what do you think of that? That's crazy. This man nailed Richard Chase to a T. Like, literally, to a T. Rex? It's just, it speaks such volumes. Like, it's so crazy that you can just you can sculpt a, you can like physically build out this person's profile just gauging on how they behave. That is such a unique talent. Man's genius. Man's genius. Like this man is seen like as a nerd by a lot of people. A wrestler is clearly, but you can't argue with like what he did there. <laughs> he nailed it completely. After releasing the profile to the public, the police located the stolen station wagon about a mile from Evelyn's house. Having a strong hunch that, that the killer wouldn't be hunting far from his home, Ressler stated that the area around the car was found was the best place to start. So a group of 50 officers canvassed the surrounding area, going from person to person and door to door, asking anyone if they'd seen a disheveled, hollow-eyed man that would most likely be covered in some amount of blood. I want to point out the fact that they're asking people if they're asking people if they're seeing a a thin, hollow looking man with black eyes and they know that he loves blood so much that they're asking him like, have you seen a thin, hollow man that, that has some kind of blood on him? Because they know this guy loves blood so much that they're going, like, this guy probably has, like, blood on his face, it's on his hoodie, it's on his shirt, it's on his, his, um, his, um, what's it called? His, like, rom like, like male rompa. It's just, it's on something. Dude's a menace. He just car carries around a flask full of blood. <laughs> yeah. Pop it out. Any Honestly, person. how do we know he didn't, though, carry a flask, have a flask at some point? Chase. Wouldn't put it past him. I wouldn't either. So, the big break in the case finally came in the form of a woman in her late 20s who had attended high school with Richard years prior, actually. She came to police with a lead. She explained that on January 23rd at around noon, she'd run into Ch like Richard Chase at a gas station. The same day that he killed Terry Wallen, by the way. Huh? Actually, it was before he killed her. I want to point that out there. Uh, she did not remember, like, remember him at like at all. Immediately, due to like how thin and pale and awful and sickly he looked. Because again, how well are you gonna look if you're straight up just drinking blood? As well as the blood-stained orange parka coat that he war and the overall unsettling vibe that he gave off. She tried walking away, claiming to be in a hurry, but Richard pursued her, trying to get her attention. He followed her to her car, and just as she reached the passenger door to try to open it, she sped away as fast as she could. Lucky-ass girl. Yeah, almost Richard Chase's victim. Because, again, I can't say this enough. He always carried a, the, the gun, though, in his, in his shoulder holster. So he, he always had a gun on him. So who's to say he didn't get in that car with her and pull the gun out on her? 
and you know, like who knows what he would have fucking done. Literally. Um, so the cop thought this was a strong enough lead to warrant a trip to his house for some questioning. So a couple of, of officers went to his apartment. When the cops got to his apartment, they found that Richard had abandoned the stolen car not even half a block from where he lived. So he, he, he stole that woman's station wagon, and he dropped it off, and he literally ran half a block to his own apartment. Isn't that really smart? <laughs> the police went to the front door of his apartment where they noticed the 1966 Ford Ranchero. Again, here it is. Parked out front, so they knew that they were at the right place. Since a similar car had been seen driving through the areas at the time of the murders, they knocked on the door but got no response. After several failed attempts, they had a strong feeling that Richard was inside watching them. So the cops decided to hide on the side of the building behind some bushes and wait for him to come out. So they went, so the, it's like they went behind like the side of the apartment building behind and hid behind some bushes. To wait, yeah, this is cops in seventies, Rex. <laughs> <laughs> After a while, the cops heard the front door open, and Richard came walking out, carrying a box in his arms. The cops walked around the corner and tried talking to Richard, but as soon as he saw them, he dropped the box and fucking bolted. He ran around the front yard and tried running around to the back until he was cornered by both officers. And after one of the cops tackled him, Richard tried reaching for his .22 in his shoulder holster, but the other cop quickly pistol-whipped Chase with the other side of his handgun, knocking him out cold, ending the reign of the infamous Vampire of Sacramento. After finding bloody rags in the box that Chase had dropped, one of the officers decided that like, the apartment like was in need of a search before anyone arrived. Okay, here we go. A search of the apartment was about as bad and as gross as you probably think. Here we are. Yeah. Yep, here we are. There was blood on almost every surface, and I mean every single surface of the apartment. There were numerous newspapers like about the murders on the front page that he'd done, as well as stolen objects from their homes that he'd robbed. A look in his kitchen would find multiple blenders full of blood, gore, vile, and hair. Like three blenders, just full of just rotten bullshit. Just, just every he dumped everything in those blenders, as well as human remains and plates in the fridge, and numerous dog collars from family pets. All of this horrible shit blanketed by the fact that this bastard kept his apartment at around ninety fucking degrees. There's no way no one smelled that. There's no way no one smelled that. <sighs> They're all to blame. They're all to blame. There's no way. I'm glad degrees. you brought that up. I thought that. <laughs> I thought that. I thought that too. The 70s insulation. I thought. Th- I, th- I thought that. I thought they. It's I, over. Well, because I watched. I watched. I watched a couple documentaries, and I've seen the apartment. They like he did. Like did this all in, and wow. it's like it's your classic. Like there's like twelve apartments mm-hmm. with like common hallway? a row on top. Is it like a common hallway or no? Everyone's got their own. Insurance. No, no, your own apartment. No, no, it's like uh, just one bedroom. Okay. Here, here, and then a staircase, and then up. Yeah, it's one of those. Okay, so y'all kind of get a pass. It's one of those. But dang. 90 degrees, because he, he loves, he drank warm, he drank warm milk. Mm-hmm. In 90 degree weather, surrounded by just vile. Jeez. Just vile. One strange thing that they found was a calendar that had the days of the murders marked today. On the respective dates, um, the decapitated body of Michael Fiera was discovered in a box by a janitor in the garbage bin of a church parking lot on March 24th, right before the trial began. So, that's all the evidence. I finished off with the baby. He, he did kill the baby, and it, I, I read it was so rotten. Because it was found like in like the, you know, like if there's two buildings, there's mm-hmm. like that like little like alleyway thing. Well, the garbage bin was in the back, but there was still an alley like behind the garbage bin that no one went in through. Richard had put it in like that like like little alleyway that no one went into. He put the baby's like decapitated, rotten corpse. It was in a box in that alleyway. Yeah, so that's why it took him so long to find it because, you know, who's going to go looking in the fucking alleyway in a church dumpster area? 
So the trial began in, in 1979 with Chase with Chase pushing for the insanity defi- defense, pleading not guilty by reason of it. However, the insanity defense is hardly ever taken seriously, as in a court of law, it's taken extremely lightly. When it comes to an insanity defense, you must be able to prove that the defendant was not mentally competent during the time of the event and that he did not know or she did not know what like the difference was between right and wrong. Richard had a, had not only worn gloves during two of the murders, but had also taken very good care in trying to hide even more evidence of himself being involved in them. So his case sadly fell through very quickly, and he was sentenced to death by the electric chair and sentenced and sent to San Quentin State Prison to await his sentence. I'll talk more about this at the end. My position in this case at the end. While staying at San Quentin, Chase was a loner and began. While staying at San Quentin, Chase was a loner because, after hearing of the crimes that he committed, the other inmates, kind of like, didn't want anything to do with him. Um, they actually hated him so much that they would save their piss and cups and try to throw it on him as they walked by his cell. Jeez, I more than that. After hearing they yeah. killed a baby, they kind of like. And they're fucking raping. Well, no, he did. Okay, yeah, yeah. He, he okay, I didn't say that wasn't. He did a lot of horrible shit, but that's nowadays that's how you get beat with a sock full of locks. Yeah, dude, I'm I'm surprised he made it through that prison cell. Uh, he, you're gonna see. He doesn't make it very long. They kept him away from like the general public for that reason. But he, ah, uh, they kept uh, okay. him so Yeah, they sense. kept. Yeah, they kept. Like, oh, yeah, no, they kept him like. Away, but like the guys who did walk by, who were like were in his same like you mm-hmm. know like I guess like block still to fucking ch- yeah no that makes sense on yeah He's yeah a yeah no, oh no that no they kept him far away. Richard at this point took to sleeping underneath his bed for cover. So due to his job, Agent Wrestler was allowed to do several taped interviews with Chase. He always described Chase as having empty, black, and soulless and hungry eyes like a shark. Whenever he looked at you, like like he just like looked at you like like wrestler said like he looked at you like you were just like m- meat, a sack of meat and blood and or what you were just an object I guess. Uh, Chase's paranoia had not gotten any better either. He admitted to the murders that he'd done, but he also said that he had no choice to do so because he thought he had to do them to stay alive. Because again, you know, he needed he needed the blood from them. He needed, he needed their organs that he stole or whatever. Uh, he also brought up Nazis and aliens, as he was deathly afraid of both of them. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I didn't bring that up. Yeah, I didn't bring that up that much. He was a he was deathly afraid of Nazis and aliens. He actually claimed that uh, Nazis were trying to were trying to steal his organs at one point. During one interview with Dr. Ressler, Chase clearly, completely lost of mind, pulled out several handfuls of mac and cheese from his pockets and tried handing them to Ressler. Chase believed that his prison guards were Nazis, tried to poison him, and wanted wanted Dr. Ressler to have the food tested for said poison. (laughs) (laughs) Now, 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 first off, Geeks, I know this is your dream, to have someone come up and you're hungry. He just pulls mac and cheese out of his pockets. Uh, hands and I'll never be some hot wings. <laughs> hot wings. Rex, what do you think? <laughs> just real quick. Pocket mac. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was a pretty clever approach. <laughs> he, he just pulls out. Can you imagine being this, 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 this FBI, this FBI crime boss? I'm calling him a crime boss. I don't care. He's Dr. Wrestler. He <laughs> coined the term serial killer. I don't care. And you got this guy who's clearly, in, literally insane. Out of his fucking rocker. And he reaches in his pockets. He just pulls out handfuls of mac and cheese. I just see the agent wrestler with his And tries handing them to you. <laughs> tries giving to you. Yeah. However, all things good and bad must come to an end. During a routine cell check, the guards found that Richard was dead at the age of 30 on December 26, 1980. 
Chase had saved up several handfuls of, of his prescribed antidepressants and taken them all at once, making sure that the, that the world's real-life white trash vampire finally left the earth. And that, everyone, is the tale of Vampire of Sacramento, the bloodbath of Richard Chase. And I hope you enjoyed our tale this week.